Uh, there's the English button. Sorry, they told me to push it before I get going. Uh, <laughs> all right, so um, <laughs> it's really nice to be with you all this morning. Uh, it's nice to be back in what I consider my home church, the church we always just look forward to getting back to when we are uh, home back in the States with our folks and uh, you know being able to see all of you. Uh, by the way, that was. Uh, I want to thank God for the opportunity to come and speak uh, here with you in, in our church this morning. Uh, our little church in Thailand is meeting, or has, has actually met already, uh, so to speak. It's their Sunday night in Thailand right now. And so um, as you think of them, would you pray for them? Uh, we, I'll tell you a little bit more about them in a minute, but we have a little church plant, and our pastor is graduating from seminary uh, in October. We're excited about that. He's a great, just great Thai guy, and um, God is doing some good things This morning, uh, I do want to share with you a little bit about, obviously, what God is doing in Thailand amongst the work and our family there. I want to also share with you from God's Word about something that He's impressed upon us in the last three years since we were here last, so to speak. Katie and I are both, I think, been in church here once a piece, maybe, or so in the last uh, three years. But I got to speak. Chad lets me graciously, allows me to come and speak when I'm here on furlough or on stateside assignment, as we call it. But uh, I want to share both from that, uh, those places for me this morning. So if you want to take your pew Bible and reference page 614, if that's where you're at in your Bible this morning, I'll get back to that in just a second. But uh, we'll be in Jeremiah this morning. Our uh, family, I have four kids. Uh, they're here with us this morning. I want to thank this uh, church for receiving uh, us at camp last week. I mean, we went, we ended up going with a, a, another church just because they asked really early. But I think Isaac, and I can see my son there, uh, stacked in the middle of the teens here at your church or at our church, uh, jumped right in uh, with First Scottsdale Times, and I'm grateful for that. Our kids feel welcome here, and, and we, of course, always do as well. We're here uh, in part to drop our daughter Jillian off at uh, Grand Canyon University as well. So we came back with, yeah, go go GCU. Uh, We came back with six, but we're only leaving with five. And so that's sad for us. uh, Pray for uh, Katie and I and and our kids uh, as we head back to Thailand with with one less uh, person in our family or together, uh, if you will. But we are, for those of you who don't know our family well, we are... International Mission Board Missionaries. Uh, and so that is, uh, this is like a Southern Baptist church. Well, it's not like a Southern Baptist church, it's a Southern Baptist church. And, and the International Mission Board sends Southern Baptist missionaries, or they partner with Southern Baptist churches like this one, uh, to send missionaries all over the world. And so we, uh, eight years ago, uh, while on staff of the church, just made a transition to do that. And for those of you who know Southern Baptist's life well, you'll know that we, around Christmas time, this church does something called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And that money that's given during that Christmas offering goes to fund missionaries all over the world. It's really a neat thing that we have as Southern Baptists as we cooperate together with all these churches around America, each one giving what they can to send people, uh, allows us to be able to, you know, just kind of go and, and that's how we're funded. Uh, to be able to stay there and do our work. So I want to say thank you so much for uh, giving to that and being a part of the cooperative program, which also gives uh, money to that. I'm just really grateful for a church that's so invested in us. So we are your missionaries uh, from this church. We consider uh, you our sending church. 
and we're really great, great, gracious and grateful to be here. Uh, we want to be gracious and grateful to be here. Uh, I don't know if, any, if all of you know where Thailand is. I'll just, I think there's a photo on the map. Here's America, and way over that other red part. I don't know if you can see the other red one. Uh, and look, I even have a flag there in Arizona. Mm, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> but all the way over there is Thailand. I, I point that out because when I went, before I went to Thailand, I didn't know where it was at. I was like, I've heard of it. It's not Taiwan. You probably know that. But that's kind of, I think, been a, a country that's been in the news a little more recently. We're the other Thai location. And so uh, in Thailand, there it, we, are, we live in the city way up in the north. You've probably seen some of those beautiful beaches, but we're way up in the mountains and the hills of northern Thailand. And our city is Chiang Mai, as Pastor Chad said. We have around about a million people in our city, and we are, we're in a rural region. So like I said, the base of a mountain, Mount Sutep, and uh, that area or Thailand is about 95% uh, Buddhist. There's some of these statistics, I think, on the next slide. Uh, so we're among 95% of people are Buddhist there. Uh, they don't know about Jesus. In fact, the, the way that I usually characterize this is Thai Buddhist people understand Christianity probably about as well as you understand Buddhism. And that isn't to take for granted that some of you may have a deep understanding of Eastern religions. But most uh, of the people that I knew just kind of thought Buddhism, I don't really, I'm not really sure what they believe. I, maybe Buddha, I, you know, I don't know. That's about what they understand about Christianity. Um, not much, you know. And so our work there among these uh, Thai Buddhists is to help them understand this is who Jesus is. Little by little, helping them uh, see Christianity and Christ throughout the, or even though they've had, what I just say, a thousand generations of Buddhism uh, among them. And it's not quite that long, but it's, that's their context. Thailand is located in a region uh, of the world uh, that our, the, the International Mission Board calls the Asia-Pacific Rim, and it includes all of these countries that you can see from, uh, really, Mongolia is the highest, but, but most people maybe can recognize uh, Korea or South Korea, North Korea, all the way down to Indonesia, the archipelago of all those islands, and then from uh, Myanmar, Burma in the uh, west, all the way over to Japan, I guess, or the Philippines, however you want to look at that in the east. It's all those countries. And so we, while we serve in, the, in uh, Thailand, northern Thailand, uh, this is the region of the world in which we uh, minister to as well. We have, you know, a lot of people come from those regions of the world. So where is God at work? Uh, where is God at work in Thailand? I'm really excited to tell you a few stories about uh, people that have come face to face with the Lord and found him. But before I do that, I do want us to... Uh, open God's word together and see uh, what he has to say for us this morning. So if you would go to Jeremiah 29, and I know you're thinking he's going to go to Jeremiah 29, 11, because that's such a passage that he would, that, that we've heard before. And the truth is that is where we're going to go, but, but it's not so much Jeremiah 29, 11. It's all the stuff on the, either side of Jeremiah 29, 11, that oftentimes we f- just stop when we're reading. It's like, how many of you could quote John 3.17? Some of you probably could, but usually we get to John 3.16 and we go, ah, there it is. We're, I'll stop there. And maybe many of us have that scripture memorized. I would like for us to look at uh, Jeremiah 29, really 10 through 13. This, of course, is Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And there is no doubt, no doubt whatsoever that this is 
the way that God operates in this world and even with his children today. Make no mistake. But this verse was given in a context that's different than what oftentimes we might think about it with. Very often we will think, I stand at the, maybe like my daughter Jillian, she's about ready to go to college and there's sort of this unknown there. And she's like, okay, Lord, I I trust you with those plans out there where I can't see. I know that you have plans to give me hope in the future. The thing about it was God's people, and if you read, uh, if you have the chance this afternoon maybe to read uh, just the chapter before uh, Jeremiah 28, you see that the God's people were in the midst of uh, captivity and and um, had been sent out or dispersed by the Babylonians. They they had a prophet that said that this was going to end soon, and it didn't end soon. Uh, their captivity, their problems in their life, and so this. This word from the Lord comes to them in the middle of a lot of difficulty. It would be like, uh, instead of my daughter standing at the front first day of school at Grand Canyon thinking, okay, Lord, whatever you have for me, it'd be like her standing way back in the back, you know, on a timeline going, I don't know how to pay for this. I don't think I have the grades to go to college. I don't, don't know how to, I'm not, you know, I don't, it's a weird place, right? It's not the school I wanted to go to or whatever. And in the midst of all that difficulty, then God says, hey, I have, I know the plans that I have for you. Uh, and so... Let's look at what it says on either side of this. It says in Jeremiah 29, 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And then in verse 12, he says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's another uh, you know, passage of scripture some of us perhaps apply to our life. And in verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you from captivity. This is a situation where people, in, the, the God's people here needed to hear him speak in the midst of their difficult situation. And as we have been in uh, Thailand in this last number of years, it has been a a more, it's been a difficult situation for a number of reasons. And I just don't want to bring up that big C word that we've all had to deal with for the last couple of years, so I'm not even going to say it. But if you got on a plane this afternoon, flew to Thailand in 36 hours from now or whatever, and dropped down there, 95 probably percent of people you would see would be in a mask today, right? this Sunday morning or Sunday evening. Uh, whatever, we kind of thought wherever, wherever, um, and there's nothing wrong with wearing a mask, don't get me wrong. I just mean to say that it would very much perhaps look like America, or, you know, I don't know, two years ago. Uh, it has, this uh, pandemic has lingered. And so there, over these last couple years, we have had to deal with some of the lingering effects. It, as it sort of tapered down here, it sort of hit the other world in spots, and it kind of did this sort of in Thailand, up and down, up and down. And that made it very difficult. It, for us to engage in the typical sort of go out and minister the way we'd had before. So we said, we have got to call upon the Lord as verse 12 said. And so this last number of years for us in Thailand has been a journey of prayer. It's been a place where we have had to ask God to do the hard things that we've had to watch God work in the situations after we've been called, calling upon him to seek his presence and his will in this situation, to bring our needs to him and allow him to resolve the circumstances of our life. 
The first uh, number of years we were in Thailand, it, it didn't look the same as the last number of years. And praise the Lord, we're out of the woodwork with the pandemic pretty much all over the world now. And I think that our next number of years in Thailand will look different. Um, because when God says in verse uh, 13 uh, that he will, or excuse me, in verse 12, when he says, then I will listen to you, he doesn't mean to say, oh, I'll just, I'll like hear you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for coming to me and praying. Thank you. Okay, have a good one. It's, it's, it's the mighty acting hand of God to move according to the plans that he has for us. So what we have learned is that prayer is hard work. When we have had to relinquish what we wanted to do, the, the, the capability that oftentimes we had to go and do and gather and organize and teach, you know, maybe pastors or meet women uh, with Katie's ministry that are in difficult crisis pregnancy situations, uh, we weren't able to do that. We had to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what, whatever your will is now, whatever the plans that you have are for now. And so here's the, I, I, I wrote that, or I want to challenge you that prayer is the hard work. And that is to say that we're so, it's easy for us to go and do. We're capable Americans. We have grit and all those things. You know what I mean? It's sometimes difficult for us to pause and say, I'm not going to do until I hear the Lord speak in my life. Those are difficult. Now, I'll say it this way. Perhaps you could think about where are the places in your life where you pray that aren't sort of your responsibility to pray. I'll say it this. When, when we sit down at the table as Christian families, typically we say a prayer. Like we have eggs and bacon staring at us and it just says, you have to pray before you eat this. And we do that breakfast, lunch, and dinner, let's say, uh, very often. Perhaps if Pastor Chad would say, hey, uh, so-and-so, why don't you come up and close our service in prayer? We'd feel obligated to come up and pray, and we could do that. I think that's reasonable. But outside of those places where you have that sort of obligation to pray or that culturalization uh, to pray, where do you pray? Where is the places that you spend time in prayer? And I challenge you, or, or I'm excited to know that many of you have very vibrant prayer lives. Uh, I was in Charlie's class a couple weeks ago, and they spent uh, probably the first half of class praying for all kinds of things. I was just like, this is, this is incredible. This is awesome. Uh, this is what God had showed us to do. And so God wants us to approach him in that, I wanna, in that quote, I want to be in the presence of the Lord type praying in our lives, aligning our hearts with his. I want to share with you uh, a couple places where we have seen uh, God work uh, in Thailand. Um, we were, when we were here in 2020, we were praying, Lord, do you want us to go back to these, these little villages that we're in? They're these little work camps, uh, like the one you see on the screen here, scattered around the city. We would drive into them. We throw down some tarps and uh, sit on the floor and we share little by little. Here's who Jesus is kind of chronological Bible storing as they, as they would, uh, say it from Genesis to revelation. And sometimes, I mean, we'd been in these camps for years, so we were back to Genesis again and right through the revelation. And, uh, we had seen very little movement, but some praise the Lord for those who had come to faith and were baptized. Uh, but we were praying, God, is there a new place that you'd like for us to go? And so we went when we got back to Thailand in 2020, we were able to go to a new camp that we had never been before, encampment like this. And when we got there, the first day, my pastor and I, we walked in, and there was a, a girl, a seven, uh, 16-year-old girl and her 17-year-old brother who walked out. Her name is Gang. <clears throat> You'll see her uh, here in these, in these photos. 
Uh, she's about Jillian's age, and she walked out and said, I'm so glad you're here. I want to receive faith in Jesus. Incredible. She said, I have been listening to a pastor who uh, preaches in Thai on Facebook, and he told me all about who Jesus was. And so we thought, well, Facebook's quite a place. So I said, well, who, who is God? He's, uh, he created the earth. He's, the, he's Father God. Who's Jesus? He's the Son of God who died on the cross to save me and my sins. And we spent the next about eight weeks, uh, each week, going and meeting with her and two others, sharing with them what we call sort of pre-baptism classes. You know, it's, we just wanted to make sure that she rightly understood who Jesus was so that she could be baptized in our church. And shortly thereafter, uh, you'll, you'll see here, we baptized her uh, gang is there. I guess it would be on your right. Uh, it's hard to tell, but she's soaking wet. Uh, we baptized those two others in the, in the pool there. And the man all the way to the left, that's our pastor, Goy, uh, who leads our, our little church plant there in Thailand. Uh, God is at work. We didn't do anything but pray for the harvest, and God brought it. I mean, we discipled, don't get me wrong, but God brought those who were ready to receive faith in him. Uh, God is answering your prayers when it's sometimes we don't track our prayers very, very often or very well or very long. We pray for something and we sort of forget. We, we do the, maybe the prayer requesting, but we forget the prayer praising on the answers. Not, not all the time, of course, but sometimes, but I know that around the, at the very least, uh, around the end of the year, the church as a whole prays for missionaries being sent as they give those dollars during that Christmas offering. I know that Many of you have come to me and said, hey, we're praying for you. Some even say it's like on a Wednesday I pray for you or those type of things. Your prayers are that people would go to the nations who are able to and that they would help other people understand the salvation that lies in Christ alone. And your prayers are being answered in our family and others. Your prayers are being answered in in people like Gang who have received faith in Christ uh, through gospel witness and uh, our prayers as well. Our prayers, your prayers are being answered. So praise the Lord for that. That's what God says he does. He answers the prayers of his people according to his plan and his will. Though That's a promise of God that we can hold to in our life. That God knows the plans that he has for us. They're not always our, his, our plans, the things that we think. But, they, but, but when we pray according to the heart of God, we see God move according to his heart and his will. That is fact. Uh, we have prayer walked our city many times. One thing we decided to do was, was start prayer walking. Uh, we couldn't go into some villages because of the pandemic. So we thought, okay, we're just going to march like the, around the walls of Jericho or something, you know. And um, this is our family and others. This is part of Katie's uh, prayer team um, with the pregnancy center in an area where we walk and walk. And so every Sunday, uh, well, most Sundays we go to church at our Thai church. We always eat together uh, after church is always a meal. And then we'll go and we'll walk around in prayer. And often, and sometimes we get the opportunity to uh, speak to people uh, like a, perhaps a tuk-tuk driver and share uh, the love of Christ with them. During this time, you can imagine there were many empty taxis and tuk-tuks because there just wasn't a lot of uh, tourism in our city, and had the opportunity to share with them about what God has done. Katie, you know, uh, was able to bring a report, I think not too long ago, about what God's doing with the Elm Center. Uh, Elm being education, life, and mothers, reaching um, those who are in difficult pregnancy situations. And, and look, culturally, sometimes pregnancy looks normal in Thailand, but if you went to see what the average 
pregnant mother goes through, just the average pregnant mother, it would look probably like a bit of a crisis to the way that we think about prenatal care and postnatal care and delivery and those sort of things. So we're not trying to impose Western culture on these mothers, but many of them are living in very difficult situations uh, raising these babies. This is baby beauty. Uh, She was born uh, from one of the clients uh, that Katie had um, recently. Beautiful, actually. Perfect name. Look at that. Got to go snag that one, add them to our family. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, but Katie uh, is reaching out to these uh, young Buddhist girls. And in fact, one of those, I can't remember if Katie said it was this gal or not, uh, but they reached, it was, in a, uh, was one of their clients, one of these gals that came and asked for help through her pregnancy. They shared with her, she became uh, a follower of Christ, accepted faith in Jesus, and then said, I want to join what you're doing here. I want to help other girls who are in the very same situation I am. That was in Bangkok. What God is doing in, with the Elm Center is, is absolutely mind-blowing. We could spend the whole time speaking about it, but praise the Lord for what he's doing through uh, that pregnancy ministry. It's advancing, and you can follow it on Facebook and all those things. Um, God wants us to come, and he wants us to ask, uh, just as our little church plant in Thailand is doing, it's asking the Lord, what will you have for us? You'll see in this next photo, this is our church plant. We, uh, sorry, this is uh, not the next photo. This is our uh, fellow who, um, the last slide, you, you don't have to go back. He was, it was a guy who, in our church network of pastors, we're helping to train, we're supporting him in an area in northern Thailand. This is our church plant. Uh, Sunday mornings, we get together and have Bible study, and then we go downstairs uh, and we worship just like this. And it's all in Thai, of course. And there again is, is Pastor Goy and his wife. Uh, sitting there sort of about in the center, uh, teaching around the table, uh, leading us uh, through a discipleship uh, lesson. Pray for these ministries. Pray for our, ch- our church in Thailand. Uh, in Thai, it's called Soon Bragat, uh, which is the center of proclamation um, or the gospel center. Uh, the, pray for our church. Um, it's, it's probably that our church is probably this, this floor right here where I'm standing the size of that is probably our church building. Uh, about 25 to 35 of us maybe get together on any given Sunday morning. But we praise and worship the Lord for what he's done. How Buddhists who only know about not the way are coming to the way. I want to share with you a little bit about our region of the world. Uh, because um, sometimes it's difficult to, to understand what's happening. Uh, in Asia, where we serve. And I want to, we'll kind of hit a number of these places. But I think what you'll find is that lostness looks different, maybe, in where we serve than here uh, in America. Not all the time, but sometimes. Let me just read this, I think, and give you this visual picture. From islands of unparalleled beauty to bustling city streets, To iridescent rice fields, the Asia-Pacific Rim is vibrant and full of contrast. Remember, the Asia-Pacific Rim is the region we we serve in. It stretches from Mongolia in the north to the southern islands of the Pacific. The countries it encompasses are a mosaic of immeasurable cultural and societal differences. Some people work long hours in offices tucked away in high-rises, but others rise before the sun to make a living farming or fishing. Some have never seen snow, while others have never known a winter without it. 
Some worship at temples and shrines, while others worship at altars of self-reliance and worldly success. As you can see, it's quite diverse. Despite their differences, the people of the Asia-Pacific Rim have come have one core need in common. The vast majority of them have never met the one true God. APAC, as we call the the Asia-Pacific Rim, for short, APAC is home to over 2 billion people, a quarter of the entire world's population. It includes approximately 1,000 unreached people groups and approximately 500 unengaged people groups, people with no Bible, no witness, no church. Out of the estimated 47,000 people in the Asia-Pacific Rim who die every single day without knowing Christ, many have never even heard his name. But while statistics are helpful, they only give a bird's-eye view. So let me come down to this ground level to help you understand lostness. What does lostness really look like among the people who we serve? Here are some examples. Lostness looks like repressive governments. It looks like Muslims in Malaysia, quote, drowning while lifeguards are on duty, as one of my brothers puts it. They remain in spiritual darkness because their Christian neighbors fear being ostracized or arrested if they share the gospel with them. It looks like, a, it looks like peering out of an airplane window over Korea at night and seeing North Korea swallowed in darkness and South flooded in light and knowing that Physical reality is all too reflective of the spirituality. That's a real picture. That's the repressiveness of the government of North Korea. Lights out. I don't know. Bedtime, I guess. Lostness looks like unbroken cycles of uh, violence and hate. It looks like a family uh, of 10 new believers in Myanmar forced at gunpoint to bow down to Buddhist monks. It looks like villages terrorized by soldiers stealing crops, raping women, and forcing children into military service. It looks like mothers and fathers powerless to stop the violence that is happening with their families. It looks like a pregnant mother in Cambodia murdered and her unborn baby discarded in a river to die, casualties of a village feud among a people with no known gospel witness. Many people in our region are caught in these cycles and are dealing with heart-wrenching pain and the scars that will last for a lifetime. Will you pray for these people with me? Lostness looks like physical isolation. It looks like Tibetan Buddhists who live in remote villages so high in elevation they're described as the roof of the world. They believe they'll have many lifetimes to balance their karmic debt and so They die separated from Christ, just like generations of their ancestors before them. It looks uh, like islands in the South Pacific, so remote that believers must travel hours by boat and motorcycle to reach tiny villages, all for the chance to share the gospel with the people who are living there. Hungry, sick, and exhausted, they press on to reach those people. Goodbye, dear, God is with you, an indigenous pastor says to his wife as he is figuratively swallowed by the landscape for the next week while he takes the gospel to an unreached people. She fasts and prays a portion of every day till he returns home. Will you pray for these people with me? Lostness looks like slaves ensnared 
by idol worship and superstitions. It looks like crowds of Cambodians who come daily to bow before towering statues of ancestral spirits said to guard their city. They beg a lifeless idol for wealth, health, and protection because they don't know the true king of kings. It looks like global, a global Chinese community worshiping creation instead of the creator. They pursue worldly success at any cost, but are never satisfied. They pray to idols for favor and good luck, but find none for their struggling families and marriages. So many people across our region are weighed down by centuries of spiritual bondage in their cultures. Hardened hearts, shaming, and social anxiety link arms like a great wall preventing them from breaking free. Will you pray with me for these people? Lostness looks like living in fear. It looks like Muslim men who cling to superstitions and wear rings from witch doctors to protect them from the dangers they believe lurk around every corner. It looks like Muslim women who devoutly cover their hair each day but still fear evil spirits and curses that will bring disease and death to their families. It looks like Indonesians who have experienced miraculous healing from Jesus and taste his peace but who find the social and relational costs of living the old ways too great, living, living in this new way too great, and so they turn away from Christ. We know that amulets, tattoos, and religious trinkets are powerless, but they are tightly gripped by people desperate for hope, protection, happiness, and luck. Will you pray for these people? Lostness looks like crushing poverty. It looks like migrant workers from every corner of the Asia-Pacific Rim who leave the comforts of home behind to provide for their families, yet find no welcome in their host cultures, often exploited or abused with no recourse. They suffer in silence. It looks like a red-light district in Bangkok, Thailand, full of vulnerable women who took risks to build better lives and found themselves betrayed and trapped in prostitution. These are the most forgotten and vulnerable people in our societies. Virtually no one cares about them. They're often discriminated against, targets of crime and abuse. Will you pray for these people? Lostness looks like empty wealth. It looks like Japanese societies rich in worldly comforts, but impoverished in spirit, filled with millions of people who have abundant access to truth, yet no desire to seek it out. It looks like a generation of young South Koreans who've grown up cynical and cold to the gospel because They grew up watching prominent megachurch leaders fall to temptation and corruption. The love of money and the power that comes with it has corrupted mankind from the beginning. Will you pray for these people? Lostness looks like broken families. It looks like a Vietnamese cemetery full of aborted fetuses, many of whom were discarded simply because they were daughters instead of sons. It looks like young Mongolian boys who are sent away to Tibetan Buddhist monasteries to earn merit for their families, where they are often abused by monks. Humanity's brokenness can often bring us to tears. It should also be an impetus to action. Let us act in prayer, pleading for those grieving the effects of broken relationships and sin. Will you pray for these People. These are snapshots 
but a, a drop in the bucket of the suffering and brokenness that life without Christ brings across the Asian Pacific Rim. We asked our leaders all throughout the region to share these stories, and this is what they sent for us to communicate to the American church on how to pray. Lostness doesn't discriminate. It doesn't wait. For so many people in this situation, their chance is already gone. More than, like I said, more than 74,000 people across our region perish today, will perish today without knowing Christ. They'll be lost forever. Or to put it another way, across our region, over 2 billion, of 2 billion people, there are nearly 97 million believers, a little less than the population of the Philippines, which you can barely see here in yellow. If Christ were to come back today, every other country and all of its inhabitants would be lost for eternity. Well, we don't despair over this reality, but we share and we ask God to do what only God can do, to remedy our situations, to, to, to uh, seek and to save the lost, to open the eyes and hearts of people around us. God is doing that. He does that as he has plans for us, as it says in Jeremiah 29. It might not be the way that we see the plans. This is a difficult situation to think about. There's a situation like that in a neighborhood near you here in America as well. So will you pray for your neighbor your, and your missionaries from your church, the Millers, who are among these people? We covet those prayers. We have felt those prayers from you while we have been there in the last couple of years, and we're grateful for that. We're grateful for this church's partnership. We're grateful uh, to know that we have people who love us here, and we're grateful that you have taken a moment to see what God is doing with the Millers in Thailand. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We lift you up as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no one like you, and there never will be. You are our only hope in all of this world. You're the only hope for humanity past. You're the only hope for humanity in the future. There's never been another way only through Christ, only through the love of God demonstrated in Christ Jesus. Lord, I do thank you for the opportunity to share with our church, to help our church understand the great lostness that exists uh, around us in our region, in Thailand, in our city, Chiang Mai. Lord, I do ask even today that you would open the eyes of the blind, that they would see you like in our lives, we saw you one day. Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, would they cry out to you knowing that you are the God who listens to become a follower of you? God, I pray for our church in Thailand as they are meeting and have met that the ministries of our church there would be as reaching out as the ministries of this church here. God, lostness exists everywhere, and we want to be part of the solution, which is helping people to see the love of Christ that found us. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for the goodness and the things that you have done in our lives. We give you all honor and glory for those who have received faith, like Gang, in the village in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And we ask that you would continue to open the eyes of the blind. In Jesus' name, amen.